You're listening to the Frugal Spender Podcast, where we have conversations about the one thing you've always been told not to talk about, personal finance. Hey guys, and welcome back to the third episode of the Frugal Spender Podcast. In this episode, I wanted to go through an important subject, one that would have bored me to death just a few years ago. But dare I say, I actually now find this very interesting. That subject is paying into your pension, why you need to do it, regardless of what age you are. Now, I'll explain why a pension is likely to be your biggest wealth building tool to ensure you have the ability to live a comfortable life in retirement. So hopefully this episode will give you plenty to think about most importantly, if you aren't paying into your workplace pension, that you at least consider doing so. Now, if you asked me just two years ago whether I was an investor, I would have told you that you're crazy and that I did not have the money to do that sort of thing. That is for rich people, obviously. What I didn't know, however, is that because I had not opted out of my workplace pension that I was in, the money that was being deducted from my pay was actually being invested in the stock market, albeit I wasn't consciously doing it, And you're probably in the same boat. And this is because in 2012, the government rolled out something called the auto-enrolment. This is where an employee who meets certain requirements is made a member of a workplace pension scheme without even needing to ask to be part of it. This is different to beforehand because you had to actually opt in to the pension scheme when joining a new company. And truthfully, most people just didn't do that. Now, whether you work full-time or part-time, your employer will have to enroll you in a workplace pension scheme if you meet these auto-enrolment rules. So firstly, you need to work in the UK. Um, You can't be in a suitable workplace pension scheme already. You need to be at least 22 years old, but you need to be under the state pension age. And you have to earn more than £10,000 a year for the tax year that you're currently in. And at the moment, that's 2022 to 2023. So as a minimum contribution that you would need to put in, that's 5%, which includes your tax relief as well. Then your employer will match 3% of what you put in. And according to the .gov website, as a result of the auto-enrolment scheme, up until 2012, there was less than half of the UK working population that were enrolled in a workplace pension. And as a result, in 2020, more than 78% of UK employees were paying into a pension. Now, that is an insane uplift, really causing more and more people to invest in the futures without even really having to actually change anything themselves. What a great piece of legislation. Now, I like to think of my former self before I started learning about this money stuff as an unconscious, undeliberate investor. Now, this is something that the majority of the UK citizens just are. And without doubt, this is down to this auto-enrolment scheme and not the pension-savvy average citizen because we all know the average person who enters the workforce sadly just is not thinking about this sort of stuff and it isn't until I opened a book about pensions which yes sounds very boring I know that I began to appreciate the power that they actually hold. Pensions are complicated products so I'm not going to walk you through all the fine details of them rather I'll endeavour to explain their importance and why you definitely need to be paying into one and if you have one why you definitely should not stop paying into it. So 2020 to 2021 was a tough year for many people The pandemic caused uncertainty and forced people to focus on the essentials. Many people actually stopping their pension contributions to redirect their money out of fear or possibly even necessity to other things. Unfortunately, many of my colleagues when I worked in the public sector did exactly this. 
with the short-sighted view of more coming home on payday this month rather than a compounding effect over time for the future. So a pension, put in simple terms, is just a way that you can save and invest throughout your working life so that when you reach your later years, you can withdraw money to pay not only for the essentials, but also for the sort of lifestyle that you want. Now, regardless of your age, this is something that you should definitely be thinking about. It's easy to just think that when you get to retirement, everything's going to be okay. You're going to have money set aside. But the only way that's actually going to happen is if you actively take steps when you're younger. And the reality is these days, 65 is actually still quite young. And before you know it, you're going to be there yourself. And the last thing you're going to want to do, or be forced to do anyway, is to remain in employment just because you didn't have enough money set aside. So generally speaking, there are three types of pensions. There's a defined contribution pension, a defined benefit pension, and the state pension. So for the purposes of this, I'm not going to go into the deep complexities of each of them because that would be many, many hours of me rambling. But I'm going to give you an overview of what they are and the reasons why you definitely shouldn't be stopping putting your money into it. So firstly, there's a defined contribution or a DC pension. And it's the type of pension that most people listening to this will have. Now, this is where you build up a pot of money by sacrificing a percentage of your monthly pay to be directed into a retirement fund that has invested whatever your company sees fit. The company will generally match a contribution up to a certain percentage, but it's important to recognize that whatever match you get from your employer is actually free money. This is tax-free money that's going to help your pot grow over time, and there's not many places you actually genuinely get free money in this life. And under the umbrella of uh, defined contribution pensions are SIPs. Now, they are self-invested personal pensions. And SIPs work in a similar way to a workplace pension, but you have more control and freedom than most other pensions. You're in complete control of how and where that money is invested, and you make the decisions that determine how your pension pot performs. This, of course, has pros and cons. For many, your pension being invested by somebody else might be a good thing because you may make emotional decisions. However, if you have any sort of interest in investing and you want to have control and lower your fees, then a SIP is a great idea. If you are self-employed or you just want to have another pension running alongside your current existing pension, a SIP is a great way of doing this for two reasons. A tax double whammy, if you will. It is a tax wrapper and you get tax relief. Wait, what? A tax wrapper? What is that? Well, put simply, having your money inside a tax wrapper means your money is in an account that wraps around your investments or savings to offer some sort of protection from tax. That is, as long as it stays within these accounts. Now, this applies to ISAs as well as pensions in the UK. When it comes to pensions, this is very useful because the entire time your money is inside this account, it's not going to get hit by tax, meaning that there's more of it inside of that account to compound over time. And compound interest is the magic ingredient for savers looking to grow long-term investments. Once described by Albert Einstein as the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest is basically interest that you earn on top of interest, on top of interest inside these accounts over time. Basically, it needs time to accumulate and compound interest can turn a small savings pot into a significant amount when left untouched. Okay, so tax relief. Remember that free money that I mentioned earlier. If you're putting your money into a SIP, that means you've already been taxed on that money. Your SIP provider will then claim back tax relief from the government on your behalf, depending on what tax bracket you sit in. As a basic rate taxpayer, you receive a 20% boost on whatever you put into your pension. 
as a higher rate taxpayer, you'll get a 40% boost. And as an additional rate taxpayer, you get 45%. Essentially, that goes in line with what tax bracket you would normally get taxed for your income. Now, it might seem slightly unfair that the more you earn, the more tax relief you get. But that's only because they've already been taxed on that money that's come out. So they're just essentially getting their money back. So as you can see, the government are trying pretty hard to incentivize people to plan and put their money away for their own retirement. And the reason for this really is to lift the burden from using so much money from the public purse for state pensions. We're all living to older ages, meaning that the government needs to fork out more money to pay for people to live. So I hope I don't need to say much more as to why it makes sense to not stop paying into a defined contribution pension, because for money to grow exponentially, you need time. It's so easy to say, I'll stop now and you know I'll restart next year, because guess what? Life happens and you probably won't. Okay, so what about a defined benefit pension, also known as a final salary pension or a career average? A defined benefit plan differs to a defined contribution plan in one important way. Rather than building up a pot and then withdrawing from that when you retire, you're given a set amount that you're going to be paid at retirement each year. Now this shifts the risk from the employee to the employer, which is why defined benefit pensions are becoming more and more rare. Defined benefit pensions are probably the best pensions you can get. They're reserved for high positions in some corporations or in the public sector, so jobs like the NHS, fire or police. And even these defined benefit pensions are being cut where they can to reduce the risk to the employer, or in the public sector's case, the taxpayer. So in the public sector, they've moved to the career average scheme as opposed to the final salary, where each year you pay into the scheme, the set amount you'll be paid from retirement until you die increases depending on your salary. This is significantly less than the public sector used to get. However, it's still better than most. So if you do have a defined benefit pension, you really should do everything in your power to remain in that scheme if you can. And when I worked in the public sector, I knew way too many people who either just never started paying into their pension or pulled out when it felt like times were getting hard. And this really is damaging their future and is the reason why I talk about having a strong financial foundation in the first place meaning you have no debt and you have an emergency fund in place. The last thing you want to do when getting to retirement and having close to nothing is regretting not sacrificing a percentage of your salary throughout your working life that you would have just got used to anyway. Learning to sacrifice a little bit now for a lot in the future is a skill that you need to get good at. Delayed gratification, if you will. So that leaves us with the state pension. Now, the state pension dates back to 1908 when it was known as the old age pension. And the first ever state pension was paid out on the 1st of January 1909 to around half a million people aged 70 or above. Pensioners received between 10 and 25p per week, which is slightly less than they get now. <laughs> and over the years, the state pension has evolved into what we have today. You pay national insurance throughout your working life and you'll be entitled to the state pension at whatever age your state pension is at the time. And this is money that the government gives everybody from the national insurance pot regardless of your previous income, in an attempt to give a decent standard of living to those who are less fortunate. The current state pension age is 66. However, for me, it's going to be 68. But as you get closer, it could be even higher. Currently, to qualify for the full state pension, you need to contribute 35 years worth of national insurance. You can contribute less, no less than 10 years though, and get a smaller state pension, but that really isn't what you should be striving for. 
to check your national insurance record, just Google Government Gateway National Insurance and you'll be able to log in and see where you're at. Currently, as it stands in April 2022, the full state pension sits at £179.60 per week or just over £9,000 a year. And clearly, this is not a lot of money and other actions should be taken to ensure that you have a bigger nest egg. The way I look at state pension is that it's an added bonus to whatever I can build up myself. And there is speculation about whether the state pension will even be around when millennials and below retire. Whether it will be there or not, I think the safe bet is to assume that it won't be. The truth is you cannot rely on the government to carry you through retirement. The last thing you want to do is to panic about money in your later years. That does not change the fact that you should ensure you keep an eye on your national insurance record and ensure that you qualify for the highest possible state pension. And if you are paid by PAYE or pay as you earn, this will all be done for you. But if you're self-employed, you need to make sure that you talk to an accountant to ensure that you are paying the correct NI to qualify. Now, if you don't pay into a pension or are considering stopping yours, hopefully this episode has made you second guess that. Even if you're paying into your pension but don't really understand the benefits, I hope you had a little bit more knowledge from this episode and you can use it to plan for your future. If you do have any questions at all about anything I've said in this episode or just in general, please feel free to reach out to me on any of my social media platforms. Don't forget to rate this podcast and if you're feeling particularly generous, please leave a review that would certainly improve my day. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. Peace.